0: Glad you're here in church today in the house of God. Together, we're going to lift up our voices, we're going to worship our God and look to Him. Come on, let's lift up and sing. Come on. This is where worship starts here in the temple of my heart, remembering who you are and all you've done. This is your majesty. All I Tasted and I've seen remembering who you are, and once again. I see the Lord forever glorified, exalted, and lifted high. We're asking God as a people of God, say, Lord, give us a greater vision of you. Give us a greater glimpse, a greater revelation of you today. And when we see God, our response is worship, right? Our response is to say, you are the Lord. You are holy and you are worthy. So Lord, Father, we look to you today and we ask, give us a greater vision of you, a greater glimpse of you. And we lift you up and we worship you today. We acknowledge that you are the Lord and we say, you are the Lord.
1: Morning, friends. Are you good? Are you alive? It's so good to see you. I've been on a two-month sabbatical, resting in shalomi buttery goodness, and I don't want to brag, but I really crushed sabbatical. I owned it, and I love being away. Pastor Brady gives us every five, seven years we get a, just a couple weeks off and to kind of reset, reflect, retreat a little bit, and really it's just a great exercise. It's a spiritual discipline that we all need to be exercising. It's not a church thing. It's right? You know, this is a people thing. It's a God thing for us. And, and I really, it's such an exercise to just uh, exercise radical trust I say, God, you are after the affairs of my life more than I am. And you got it more than I got it. So I'm going to rest and I'm going to trust you. So I did that. I took, I took to walking. I started walking the first morning. I walked like three miles and then I, and then I went home and then I was like, I'm going to go for another walk. and did another four miles and then I went home and I was like, I'm going to do another walk. I did like eight miles. I did like 15 miles in one day and I just started walking every single day. I wanted to do different house projects, but I felt like the Lord was like, no, nope, just come with me. Come walk with me at the three mile per hour pace of Jesus. I just consumed just sermons and uh, books and, it just was an amazing time. The Lord reminded me, hey, I'm leading you. I'm leading you. I'm with you. And um, yeah, you, a lot of you honked your horns at me and you saw me in the Briargate area and it was, I was doing it all day. And in fact, I brought a picture of one of my endless walks. Yeah, that's one of them. And there's people that just started following me I think they thought I was onto something. It's like, we don't know what it is, but we believe in this guy. We're gonna follow him. So... They're all here in church. They're over here in this section over here. Those are my friends who've been following me around Briar Gate. <laughs> uh, but I missed this. Um, I didn't miss music. I didn't miss playing this guitar. I missed the sound of us singing together, pursuing Jesus together and declaring the kingdom of God together. We need each other. We need our people, right? I could listen to music and worship in my my headphones. It's not the same. I needed the voices of God's people. Um, it's been a fun time to come back because we're in new album season. we're in new song season, which I need new songs. I'm kind of right before sabbatical, I told my wife, if we don't sing a new song, I'm going to pop. And we are now singing new songs. I'm so proud of the team. we've been writing some really sweet songs and really rich lyrics. I really just this effort has been just some of the st- I mean I'm mo- some of the stuff I'm just been most proud of over just like the last couple of decades, but, We're gonna sing a song right now called Amen, Hallelujah. And I was in the writing room a few months ago with Kyle. Kyle over here on the guitar and me, Kyle, and Abby Burley were in the writer room and Kyle just said, let's write a song on Revelation 19. And Revelation 19 is hefty. I mean, it starts off with the multitude of people singing praise to God, hallelujah, amen, amen, hallelujah. And then it comes to the wedding of the lamb and the bride of Christ preparing herself for the wedding of the lamb. And then it goes to the conquering savior coming down on a horse and his robe is dipped in blood and king of kings is written on his thigh and his arm and his eyes are full of fire. I was like, yeah, Kyle, let's write a song on that. That should be easy. It's gonna be a 45 minute song. (laughs) But we just started sweating it out and writing on this, and we got caught up. We got swept up in the future reality. And I want to sing it for you now. I was just listening to it the other day, just prepping because we recorded like a pre-production track, and I just got caught up in heaven. I got caught up in the future kingdom, and I got caught up in the conquering Jesus coming to defeat the enemy once and for all, right? So anyway, enough talk. I haven't been here a while. I'm just talking we're just going to sing we're going to sing this Amen, Hallelujah and would you enter in with us would you just join the multitudes singing the great vision of the future oh, I hear the sound of the great multitude let's sing this
2: I hear the sound the roar the roar of the great multitude they shout glory, Hallelujah In on his robe are the words king of kings
3: we're a charismatic church or something. Can you feel the spirit of the Lord here today? And the question I want to ask as we come to give to the Lord of our tithes and offerings is what happens when Jesus shows up? When Jesus shows up, scripture tells us a bunch of stories. All things are made new. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel proclaimed to them. When Jesus shows up, stuff starts happening. About two and a half years ago, I came into the office on a Tuesday morning. There was a letter on my desk. In the top left corner, there was kind of this government insignia. It was official paperwork. And it was from a correctional facility here in the state of Colorado. And I opened it up and I read a letter from a guy named Zach. He said, "I'm here and uh, been in for a couple of years, and started seeing that you guys came on during COVID. You came on K R D O, and they piped it right into the prison. And every Sunday morning, we're watching, and we're praying, and we're worshiping, and we're, we're, you know, just growing in the faith. And some of these folks in the prisons are sending two dollar and fifty cent tithe checks to New Life Church." tithe checks to New Life Church. They're working all week long and they're taking from what they have earned and they're sending it in as their worship. It, It just, I mean, if that doesn't move you to tears, you need to check yourself. And so I got this letter from Zach and we started writing back and forth. Well, this morning during the first song, Zach walked in. He just got out. Zach is right over here. Can you give it up for Zach today, friends? Come on. He's right over here waving Zach. Zach, God bless you, man. We love you. We are for you. We're with you. We're proud of you. Freedom is on the horizon. Don't look now, but the spirit of God is making all things new. We bless you, Zach. Would you stretch out your hands to him right now? Church, Lord, we bless this man of God today. And we thank you that you are the God who makes all things new. We thank you. You're the God who loves us. And you believe in us, and you heal us, and you restore us, and you have a future for us. If you kept a record of sins, the psalmist said, oh God, who could stand? But you're the God who's gracious and forgiving and slow to anger and abounding in love. You're the God who's our Father. And Zach, today I want you to hear the Father's voice of you saying, this is my Son. Yeah. My beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So Lord, today we speak blessing and affirmation and strength over him. We thank you that you're standing him up in this newness of life. We thank you that you're gonna provide every need, that he will lack nothing, housing and uh, uh, transport and great friends and great work and good health and that he would lack nothing. We speak life over our brother Zach today and we receive him as a member of this church and we thank you for him and we thank you that you're making all things new. And all God's people said, One more time for Zach today. We love you, man. As we come to give, there's four different ways you can give. That'll come up here on the screen. There's the online app, all the stuff you can send it in. But as you give, let's continue to ask Jesus to keep doing that work in our city. Let's worship as we give.
4: Let's sing that again. And he shall reign spirit is here he's moving among his people well church before we open the word of god together why don't you say hello greet someone around you say good morning
3: good morning new life north my name is josh thanks so much for joining us this morning And my name is Callie. If it's your first time joining us today, or if you're looking for more information about ministries here at New Life, you can click the link below or scan the QR code. If you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube, go ahead and give us a shout out of where you're joining us from. We'd love to say hello. So let's grab our Bibles, grab our notebooks, and let's plug in for this message.
5: Good morning. How are you? Happy Sunday morning to all of you. A little fall in the air today. Can you feel that? This is one of those days, yesterday we left the back screen door open the whole day. It's nice, right? Get a little fresh air in the house. So good to see you. A little football weather. Anybody stay up and watch the ball game last night? This is really the first time, you know, I'm a big college football fan. It's the first time in 16 years of living here that anybody cares. So I'm kind of happy about that. I mean it's kind of a big deal you are starting to awaken your senses to college football and that makes my heart happy so and i thought about wearing some glasses and going pastor prime time with you today but I, I don't think i can pull that off so i just won't do that right i don't think i can pull off prime time so good to have you today it's good to have pastor john back from sabbatical love having him back yeah i love this story he said he walked 300 miles during the sabbatical. I haven't walked 300 miles in like five years. So I mean, that's a pretty amazing that he's done that in eight weeks. I kept getting phone calls from some of the neighbors. They're saying there's a homeless guy walking around Briargate. And I was like, no, it's actually John. It's okay. <clears throat> he's safe. <laughs> so anyway, good to be back. Uh, I want to remind you, I know. I'm, I know I've said this multiple times, been um, but I want to remind you to keep praying with me for that December 3rd legacy offering that we're going to have at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And one of the stories, that, I don't know if I've told you this story in a while, but this is a big deal to me personally to get free from debt. I just want to tell you why. In uh, 16 years ago, when I was going through the kind of the tryout process, I had to preach three Sundays in a row, and then y'all voted on me, which is a lot of craziness, but uh, the first Sunday that I ever spoke here in that three-week tryout phase, so I spoke twice on Sunday morning, and then that night, if you remember, for those of you that were here, we had a Q&A that night. So I got up here on stage, sat on a stool, and I don't know, a couple thousand people showed up to ask me questions. And the very first question was from a young girl. She was sitting right there. She had the mic, and she said, hey, Pastor Brady, good to meet you. Uh, can you tell us, does the church, how is the church's finances? And I said, it was the first question. And I said, well, we're $26 million in debt. And there was an audible gasp in the crowd because nobody really knew that we were $26 million in debt. So I had to be the bearer of bad news. And and honestly, I have felt the weight and responsibility of that for 16 years. And by God's grace now, we have paid off $24 million of that debt. By God's grace, I mean, it's, it's a miracle. You think about that, that's, we, that's through a couple of recession times, uh, a couple of you know shenanigans that are happening all over the world. And in spite of all of that, God has been faithful. And here we are at the finish line. And I want to pay off that debt so we can do more in the city and the world than we're doing. And I don't know if you know this, but we've just bought six acres of land uh, in the middle of town to expand our dream centers. We're in the, we're in the process right now of master planning how we're going to use that property. There's a a good possibility we're going to put a a trauma-informed daycare. You know, there's only one trauma-informed daycare in the entire state of Colorado, and it's in Denver. And what that means is it's a daycare for children who have gone through extreme trauma. Now, you think about putting a child who's gone through extreme trauma in a normal daycare setting. They don't thrive. They can't function in that setting. But if we have a daycare with highly trained, specially trained uh, attendants who can take care of them. Their, their chances of survival and thriving greatly increase. So that's one of the things we're master planning. And I wanna pay cash for all that. I don't want any more debt. I wanna be able to pay cash for that daycare center, pay cash to take care. of. So we wanna do serious things in our city. There's plenty of places of pain in our city that need help. And I believe that New Life Church has a call of God on our church to meet the areas of greatest pain in our city and around our world. That's, that's the joy we get, the privilege we have of being debt-free. So will you pray with me about that December 3rd offering? And I just want to encourage all of you to participate because there is something powerful about walking forward and giving something over and above. Uh, it, it's a solidarity that happens in the congregation, a, a sense of unity in the, in the congregation when that happens. That's Sunday, December 3rd, all right? Turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 11. We're in a series of walking through this story that's given to us in 1 Kings. 1 Kings is a story of, a, of kings, the leaders of Israel, who have led Israel up to this place. Now, we're in 1 Kings 11, and I have to tell you, this is where the story goes wrong. Up until this point, Solomon has kind of made up his mind. He's going to take the reins from his dad. He's going to and to the best of his ability, he's gonna to try to follow the laws that God has given him. He's gonna to try to make sure his heart stays devoted and connected to God. And God has blessed this man immensely. <clears throat> Solomon at this point is the wealthiest man who has probably ever walked the earth. Billions upon billions upon billions of, of today's dollars, would be, he, would be, he would be considered extremely wealthy. And he's the leader of uh, arguably the the most powerful military force on the planet at that time. I mean, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians certainly had powerful militaries, but Israel was nobody to be bothered with at this point. And there there, there just seemed to be a sense of great prosperity everywhere. I mean, people, the cattle, the plants, the food, the water, everything seemed to be working in Israel. And God said, listen, as long as you will follow me, keep your hearts toward me. If you will will follow the path that I've marked out for you, he says, I will bless you, I will bless you, I will bless you. But something began to happen in Solomon's heart long before we get to this passage of scripture. What we're about to read is the story of a man who's fully compromised. But in all my years of pastoral ministry, I've never met someone who has followed the Lord faithfully, who just wakes up one morning and says, today, I'm gonna throw it all away. I'm gonna gonna do something foolish and ruin my life today. What happens is you begin to have minor compromises. You begin to change your course slightly. And the compromises at first are kind of small. They don't, nobody would notice seemingly insignificant choices that you're making. But you look up one day after weeks, months, and years of that, and you're completely off course. Now, I'm not pointing at section 11 because I think you're off course. Okay, that's just, I realized that, that you're doing great, and you are off course. <laughs> but, but this is what happens in our lives, right? It's a series of small compromises. It's death by a thousand cuts. And what you're about to read right now in 1 Kings 11 is a man who's fully off course and compromised. And re- read this with me in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, but King Solomon Loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. By the way, if you ever date a Sidonian, you're, you're gone, all right? Don't, just stay away from the Sidonians. That's a joke, all right? Lighten up a little bit, all right? Lighten up. Smile back at me. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel... You shall not intermarry with them, nor are they with you. Now leave that just for a moment because it's so important. This wasn't God being mean. This wasn't God preferring one group of people over another. This is not God saying, uh, you can't have another sweet religion, the kind, you know, just the innocent kind of religious experience over here. That's not what God was saying. You have to understand what those religions required of you to follow them. These were not just sweet religious things that you find somewhere. These religions that these women were bringing with them to Israel required you to do evil, perverse things in order to be a part of that religion. In many cases, you had to sacrifice children. You had to uh, harm your body. You had to perform perverse sexual acts in order to be a part of that religion. So what God was saying is like, Israel, no. This is not just some harmless other religion. These religions are bringing evil to this nation. Be careful. Stay away from it. Run, run, run away from those things. And Solomon knew better. Solomon wasn't innocent. He, wasn't, he was foolish, but he wasn't innocent. He knew better. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. And Solomon clung to these in love. In other words, his heart began to love something other than God. And he says, and he said, and he had seven hundred (laughs) wives and three hundred concubines. That's a thousand women. That's three birthdays a day, three anniversaries a day. You have to remember. Can you imagine the dysfunction, the drama, the competition? The sh- shenanigans that were happening with a thousand women in his life. Listen, it'd be the same if one woman had a thousand husbands. It's the same chaos, all right? And, and his wives, listen to this, his wives turned away his heart. Now, this is a cautionary tale for all of us about the friendships that we allow into our lives. Who is in our life do we allow to influence us? And he says, for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. Now listen, this is so, so important. This is the key passage right here. And his heart, the inner workings of his mind, his emotions, his thoughts, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father, David. Now leave that up. This particular translation does not accurately... Reflect the good word. So you see that phrase, not loyal to the Lord? Actually, what it means, uh, the, the better translation would be his heart was not whole. His heart was contaminated. His heart was divided. His heart had been taken away from him. His heart was not whole toward the Lord. And the Bible says that. It's better for us to be hot or cold because lukewarm. He says, if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you from his mouth. All God asked for us, God made this deal with us. I will wholeheartedly send my son to earth, and he will wholeheartedly forgive you of all your sins, and he will wholeheartedly ascend to the right hand of God the Father, and I will wholeheartedly send the Holy Spirit to comfort you, to guide you, to strengthen you, to be with you all the days of your life. And all I ask in return is that you believe and you wholeheartedly follow me. What a deal, right? He's made it as easy as possible. He's tried, he's come as close to us as he possibly can. So what was going on? Solomon allowed his heart to become corrupt. And what what does it say in Proverbs? Proverbs, who by the way, he wrote this probably, Solomon wrote these very words, most likely, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above everything else, take care of the inner workings of your heart, the inner condition. In other words, who are you listening to? What are you watching? What is causing you to make certain decisions? Who, Who has control over your emotions? Who, who has control over your attitudes? What friends are you allowing around you? This is what he's talking about, controlling and making sure that we are steadfast, that we're wise, that we're discerning, that we're able to guard our heart. So that's the story of Solomon. In chapter 11, his heart has now left God and turned toward idols. So how do we, what, what, is, what is it possible for us? Listen. If Solomon had all the money in the world, if Solomon had health, we don't know of any sickness that Solomon had. He lived to an old age, and he had a power, so he had power, he had health, and he had wealth. Now, that's supposed to solve all of our problems, isn't it? If you have power, if you have health, and you have wealth, everything should be okay, right? Because that's what we're chasing, it seems like. When actually what God has said, don't ever chase any of those things. He said, those things have beauty and those things have value, but above all else, guard your heart. So I want you to go now to Ephesians chapter six. I'm gonna show you today how to guard your heart, how to build your life in a way so that you will never compromise away the blessings that God wants to bring you. You know what the sadness of the story of Solomon is that Solomon had compromised, and you know who paid the price for his compromise? The nation of Israel. Hundreds of thousands of innocent people are about to pay the price for their leader's hearts becoming corrupt. And Paul, in the prison, this is one of his prison letters, this is in my, in my opinion, Ephesians is the Magna Carta of all the things that Paul wrote. It it is the epic, final, conclusive letter to the church. And this is at the end of that letter, Ephesians chapter six. And I can hear Paul saying, listen, church, don't compromise, don't drift away. Listen, church, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. In Ephesians chapter six, he paints this vivid picture of how to keep our heart clean. And in verse 13, he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, leave that up, not if the day of evil comes, but when the day of evil comes. In other words, listen very carefully, all of us in this room and all of you watching online, if you haven't already, one day you will have to come, you will come face to face with evil things that want to destroy you. We have a real enemy, It's a spiritual enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but Christ has come that we may have life and life everlasting, right? Life to the fullest. So when that day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. I love that that picture of standing firm on something. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. He says, and after you've done everything to stand, Stand firm then, leave that up. Cause this is, I, I feel like this is a prophetic word for someone in the room today. And I prayed over this this morning. I felt the Lord give me permission. There are some of you that have been fighting a long battle. You have been in the fight. And I'm just asking you today, keep persevering. Don't give up. You're closer than you think to winning. You're closer than you think to victory. Don't stop. Stand firm, he says, and when you've done everything to stand, you feel exhausted. I, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to pray. Stand firm. Stand on what you know to be true. Stand on what you know to be right and correct. Don't compromise your character and don't give up. I was talking to a parent uh, recently, and he said that his, one of his children is just going through the fight of their life right now. And he said to me, he says, I don't see this fight being a quick one. I feel like I'm, I've got to get in it for the long haul. And I am committed to her until I give up my last breath. He said, but this fight is worth fighting. Listen, not, not every fight, is not, not every skirmish is worth engaging. But there are some fights, the fight for your children, the fight for your marriage, the fight for your soul. Those are fights that are worth the long-term perseverance of fighting well, right? So how do we do that? He says, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we've heard your words today. We pray they would penetrate deeply into each of us. We give you permission today to challenge us, to change us, to convict us, to encourage us, to strengthen us. We thank you that your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to divide soul and spirit. And we give that word permission today to do holy work in every one of us. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen? All right, read this list out with me, okay? Just for your own benefit. These are just six things here, so read them out with me the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. Those, this is, this is a, a metaphor, it's a picture, it's a word picture that Paul's using. And it would have been very familiar language to the people that were reading it because Ephesus, the city of Ephesus, was full of Roman soldiers. So these are people, that he, they would have seen Roman soldiers everywhere. And they said, oh, we get it. That's what this spiritual battle looks like. We understand now by using these word pictures. So don't don't get fixated on the actual equipment though. There's a deeper meaning here that we wanna grapple with today. So let's look at this first one, the belt of truth. And Paul starts with this because the truth will always what? Set us free. He says, so before you fight, if you're going to fight, listen very carefully, if you're going to fight, fight as free people. Fight from a place of freedom. Fight from a place of truth. And he says, don't allow anything to stay in our heart that's not truth. Now listen, it's getting more and more difficult to discern what is right and what is wrong, right? Or what is true and what is not true. I mean, we get a little bit of truth that hooks us in, then we don't know if it's true anymore. And it's very subtle. We have algorithms that that are attacking us, drawing us into conversations that we don't even know if these people even exist. Is this artificial intelligence or these real human beings? I'm assuming, listen, I know this is going to sound super cynical, but I actually think you need to be more cynical, not less, and, and more discerning, not less. I think we need to question things more and deeply. I don't know if you know this, but I have a journalism degree. I'm, I'm actually a trained journalist. When I was in college, I, had a, I was the editor of my college newspaper. I was Uh, In journalism, I was a a crime reporter right out of school, right out of college. I was on the street, crime reporter covering police and fires. And and so I'm trained to look for things that are true. And I know that you don't trust journalists. I probably shouldn't have said that to you anymore because now you (laughs) think I'm a part of fake news. (laughs) What I'm telling you today is not fake news. This is good news, okay? But my point is, train your mind and heart to look for things that are true. Find things that are holy and true and build your life on those things and make sure that you're asking questions and looking for answers and don't stop probing for the things that are real and true and good and virtuous in our lives. Ephesians 4 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, put it off, cast it off of you and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of of one body. So he said, before you ever get into the fight, before you ever try to live your life correctly, make sure you're living your life on something that is true. And then he says, take the breastplate of righteousness, this big piece of equipment that covers your, your abdomen, covers your core, the breastplate of righteousness. Here's what I mean by righteousness. I believe God, right now, at this moment, is setting things right in the world. And how do I know that? Because he's already set things right in my heart. Now, what I mean by that, I, I have right standing before God right now. God has saved me. God has given me redemption. God has filled me with forgiveness. So I, he is, I am right with him, and he is right with Me. Now listen, new life. I don't know if you believe this or not, but God likes you. God is for you. God loves you. God's not running from you, He's running to you. God is in holy pursuit of you. And when you turn your heart toward Him and confess His name, and receive salvation that has already been given to you, suddenly God's standing correctly in front of you, you're standing correctly in front of Him, and that's what righteousness is. Righteousness is when myself and God is when we're in right relationship, right demeanor toward one another, the righteousness of God. You know how many problems that solves for me mentally? If I wake up in the morning doubting whether or not God is right with me, or I'm right with him, it sets my whole day wrong. But if I wake up every morning convinced that my feet are still on the rock, that God has not moved, I have not moved, that I'm in right relationship with him, everything changes. And he says, then let your feet be fitted with peace. If it's true that God is right with me and I'm right with God, it means I'm at peace with God. And I wanna tell others how they can have this same peace. Listen, New Life Church, we are not called to be peacekeepers. We're called to be peacemakers. That means that wherever these feet take me tomorrow, I am bringing with me peace. Wherever I go tomorrow, if I walk into a classroom that's full of chaos and disorder, I'm there to bring God's peace into a a chaotic moment. If I find myself in, in between two people who are arguing, I'm not there to keep the peace. I'm there to make the peace. I'm there to bring God's peace into every chaotic corner of the world that these feet bring me. New Life Church, you have a mandate. You have a mission. You have an assignment that wherever you go, whoever you meet, whatever situation you encounter, we're called to bring the peace of the Lord into that place. We are peacemakers. And then he says, take up this is a grabbing a take up the shield of faith. And he says, this is how you're going to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy that are gonna come your way. What is it that the enemy is attacking? I mean, this sounds pretty, pretty uh, violent. It feels, it feels like I'm, I'm fighting against something. To take up a shield means that, that something has been leveled against me. Someone's firing weapons at me. What is it that the enemy's attacking so strong that I would need to pull it a shield of faith? Listen, the enemy is attacking the promises of God in your life. He's trying to convince you that the promises of God are not going to happen. What was the first attack of the enemy in Genesis chapter 2? Well, Genesis 2 or 3. I think it's 3 maybe. 3? Yeah, Genesis 3. The enemy comes, the serpent comes to Adam and Eve. And he says, What did he say? Did God. Really say that? God had come to Adam and even said, this is your land. This is your your spot. Take dominion over the earth. Multiply. Be Lord. Be creators. Govern this place. And don't eat from that tree. And the serpent comes to him and says, I heard what God said, but did he really mean that? Did Did he really say that to you? So this is what's happening every day in our, our, our internal conversations with ourselves that the enemy comes and says, did God really promise you a good marriage? Did, did, God, did, did God really say if you train up your child in a way they should go when they're older, they're not, they won't depart from it? Did God really say that, that if you do this, he would do that? Did, he's challenging the promises of God. And see, no matter what the world or life brings my way, here's what I have. I have an unshakable, believing Loyalty, that God is with me, and my feet are on the rock Christ Jesus. Listen, every time He comes and says, your children will not follow the Lord. I pick up the shield of faith and said, let me tell you something about Abram and Callie. When they were babies, the Lord spoke to me about their future. I have an unshakable believing loyalty to the promises of the Lord. Anytime he comes and he threatens my marriage, he threatens my home, he threatens anything that God's promised me. That's the shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. What did Jesus do in the wilderness? Jesus used the word of God, the shield of faith. He spoke back to the enemy what God had spoken to him. And this is the equipping that I want to give you today. Then he says, after all that, put on the helmet of salvation. Every day this week, I want you to wake up. Here's what I want you to say. I'm going to give it to you. If you write this down, just snap it with your phone so you'll be reminded to speak this over your life. As you put on your helmet of salvation every day, I say to myself, I've been adopted in God's family. I've been saved by grace and I will be kept by grace. Come on, say it out loud with me. If this is true about you, I've been adopted in God's family. I've been saved by grace and I will be kept by grace. And what you're doing when you say that out loud, you're reaffirming your real identity. You're you're reaffirming who you are. Listen, you didn't earn salvation so you can't give it away. You were saved by grace, you are kept by grace. Salvation is a gift that you receive, not something that you earn. And you have to remind yourself every day, it's not by works that I am saved. It is by grace that I am saved. And it's because it's by grace, it's a gift that I receive. It's a gift that God's given me. Listen, this is so important for who we are, for our identity, because if we have the right identity, Many of the weapons and the schemes of the enemy are rendered useless. Yes, so this, then he says the last thing. One more thing, are you with me? Okay, I got one more to go here. He says, if all of that is in place, if all of that is working right in your life, he says, take the sword of the Spirit. Now, this is really the only thing in this whole arsenal that's offensive. Everything else that we've described so far is a kind of a defensive posture to keep you safe. He said that when I when I get you ready, when you're ready to go on the offensive, take up the sword of the spirit. He says, which is what the word of God. Listen, I don't mean to be coy. I'm not trying to be cute here. I'm actually, I, I, I need to say it out loud. Though, I still believe all of us should read the Bible every day. Just open up the scriptures. Read the scriptures every day. And, and more, more than just read it, read it out loud over yourself. Speak it over your home. Walk through your apartment, walk through your home with the word of God open on your phone or, or, or old school book. I prefer the old school book because I like writing in it and i like making margins in it and, and writing things down. But open it up and just walk around your home and, and speak life. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and staff. They are with me. Speak out these words. Speak the Lord's prayer. What we just read during the offering moment. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Speak those words. And so so find a psalm. We have 150 prayer books in the Bible. They're called the Psalms. Open the Psalms and read one out loud. And then find the red letters and just read the words of Jesus over your house. Listen, Scripture is God-breathed. It's the breath of God over you. And speaking Scripture is a powerful weapon. It's this weapon that I think very few believers are actually using right now. And we wonder why we we feel defeated and wonder why we feel weak and why, why are we not living the powerful Christian walk that we hear about? I believe it's because we laid our sword down. You haven't picked up your sword in a while. So pick up the very weapon that God's given us and use it for your benefit. Use it. The scriptures, spoken scripture is especially powerful when we we believe it. When I believe what I'm reading and when it has shaped me from the inside out. Listen, I I admire people that, I I met someone the other day that had memorized the whole book of 1 Corinthians. I think that's amazing. I mean, it's really amazing. But but what I'm most concerned about is not you memorizing Scripture, but I want you living out the Scriptures that you know. Surely, yeah, memorizing is great. Memorizing is amazing. But make sure they get inside your soul. Make sure they begin to shape who you are. Make sure they begin to change your opinions of things. Let it challenge you and change you and convict you. This morning, I want to take a moment and just read some Scriptures over you and pray over you this morning. I want us to engage in this together. Will you stand up with me this morning? And I don't know what's going on in all of your lives. I know what's going on in some of your lives. And I do know this, that today the Lord wants to come and meet with you. He didn't invite you. You're not here today, hopefully, just to go through a religious exercise, to check this off your spiritual box. We're here today because the Lord wants to say something to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to come near to you. He wants to make his presence known to you. I want you to just close your eyes, and if you're okay, just lift your hands toward the Lord and listen to these scriptures. This is God, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He sets the lonely into families. Father, today I thank you. I pray over this room today for anyone that feels fatherless, feels unprotected, feels unsafe. You are a father to the fatherless. And I pray today that you would wash over our souls and remind us that you're right here with us. Lord, your, your word says you're a defender of widows. I pray today for the widows in our church, those who have lost their spouses and are now living suddenly alone. Lord, your heart is especially tender toward these women, and I pray today for the widows in the room and the widows that are watching. I know our nursing homes watch these services full of widows. And I pray today that you would remind them that you know them, that they're not really alone, that you're right there with them. And whatever they need will be provided. And Lord, you said you set the lonely into families. And I pray today for every person in the room who feels alone. New Life Church, I've heard this more in the last three years than I've heard any other thing in the church. And they say, Pastor Brady, I feel alone. Can we just pray right now for people who feel alone? Surrounded by a a sea of people in this room, I pray today that you would take every lonely heart, every person who feels disconnected and disenfranchised and marginalized, I pray you would connect them into real community today. I pray you connect them into family. Lord, you said you set the lonely into families. And I pray today that we would all see ourselves as a part of a family today, connected by our stories. And I pray today against loneliness and despair. I bind that, I break that over people's hearts and minds. And I pray today for single people, Lord, people that... single you call them into singleness you're right here with them I pray they would feel your strength or I I pray that they would be reminded that they're not second-class because they're not married just break that lie off of them and I pray for them right now I pray right now that they would feel the strength of this moment in their life That they would embrace the strength of who they are right now and find joy everywhere strength everywhere And I pray today for married couples in the room that are struggling, striving, wrestling for their marriage. I pray right now for the married people in the room that you would remind them of the covenant that you brought them into. That you're the one that knit them together, that you are for them and not against them. I pray for marriages to thrive, for forgiveness to happen, for hearts to be healed. pray for sick people in the room. If you're here today, if you're watching online, maybe you're watching online because you're sick today. If you're in the room today and you need healing, would you just begin to let me lend some faith to you today? And Father, I pray that by your stripes, we have been healed. And I pray now for broken bodies to be healed, for diseases to be cast out of us, for injuries to be repaired, full mobility, full strength, Everything that's been damaged would be brought whole again. I pray healing all over the room, miracles all over the room that need it. Ask for it. Lord, we, all we need is a faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. You said we could say to that mountain, be moved into the sea. And so Father, today we take the little faith that we have at times and we say to the mountain, be moved into the sea. Lord, I pray for people in the room that are in financial Lord, they they need financial help. They're struggling. I pray you provide. Those looking for jobs, I pray that jobs would open, doors would open, the right place with the right people doing the right work for the right pay. Lord, I pray right now for those who are searching and seeking for purpose in their work, I pray today you would guide them and lead them and place them in the right spot today. Lord, I just thank you that you're near us today. And for that, we are very grateful. And we pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Man, can we thank the Lord for that? Amen. Amen. If, you're, if you serve communion, come on down, be ready to serve the Lord's table. This is a moment in our service where we think exclusively about Jesus right now. Can we just take the next three or four minutes? We're gonna, you're gonna walk out there. The ushers will give you instructions. You're gonna come out and take the bread and take the cup and go back to where you're seated. And you're going to hold it there, but can you just take three or four minutes as we're singing this song and think only about Jesus, who he is, what you know about him, his nature, his character, what he said about you. And then we're going to come to the table of the Lord in just a moment. Let's worship together. Come to the table.
3: open your communion elements and be ready to receive. Think about what is happening on the night that Jesus was betrayed. In a couple hours, he's going to go down into the valley and he's going to cry and ache and sweat drops of blood. He's going to be sold for 30 pieces of silver and kissed on a cheek by a friend. He's going to be led through the city streets with a cross on his back and shamed and publicly humiliated. He's gonna climb Mount Calvary with a cross on his back. And then when they get to the top, they're going to beat him senselessly. They're gonna crucify him, jam a crown of thorns into his head, a spear into his side, nails in his hands and feet. And Paul, when he says, and having done everything you can do to stand, stand firm. We ask ourselves, how can we actually stand firm? Well, what if the spirit of Jesus entered us today in a fresh way? Jesus who stood firm on that night, he was betrayed. He fought through and he endured and he kept one foot in front of the other and he stretched out his arms. Today, the spirit of Jesus is going to fill us so that we can finish the race that God has called us to run. Can you say amen today, church? So take that bread. Jesus said this is my body which is broken for you and as often as you do this remember me do this for the remembrance of me and so be filled today with the spirit of Jesus what about the failures what about the sins that so easily beset us what about the moments we've thrown it all away Jesus on that night said I've got that covered too This cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins, says Jesus. And as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Friends, today, the good news of the gospel is that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means today you and I are clean by the work of Jesus. You may drink up to your forgiveness. Let's sing together as we go from here. Open your hands today to receive the blessing, and I want to make a little challenge here this week. What if you wrote it in your calendar every morning when you get up to read Ephesians six and to meditate on that word that Pastor Brady put in front of us? To, to arm yourselves, to be filled with the Spirit before you go out into the world. And so, as you go, I want to pray Ephesians six over you. I say to you today, finally, my sisters and brothers, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places and therefore put on the belt of truth today. Take up the breastplate of righteousness today. Let your feet be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace today. Take up the shield of faith with which every fiery dart of the enemy is quenched and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and put on the helmet of salvation so that you can have the mind of Christ. And in all situations, pray in the spirit. I pray today, Lord, that you would strengthen us and make us your people and send us back into the Pikes Peak region today, full of your spirit. I pray may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And may he grant you his shalom, his peace today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for all he's done here in this place today? I want to do a couple things here, invite down our prayer team, our small group leaders, our prayer leaders, our pastors. If you need prayer about anything, come see us. If you're new, come meet us and Connect Central in the lobby. We'd love to say hi and give you a gift. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. Much love.